Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host Steve Gallo and co-host Jake Richmond and Harley Schultz. Welcome back to the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo, and of course, I've got Harley with me this week. Harley, how's it going, man? You know, I'm doing good right now. We're watching the uh, Pittsburgh-Washington game in the background here as we're recording our podcast today, and uh, I already saw a uh, nice touchdown pass to Antonio Brown, as well as one of my personal DFS plays, uh, a sleeper from last week, Eli Rogers, catching a... uh, ball bouncing off of another guy for a touchdown so yeah, i'm doing good that was that wasn't a touchdown pass that was a touchdown um deflection pinball move oh look what i found but it still counts as six so yeah and that's his first career touchdown so yeah it's one heck of a way to get it i'll tell you what i've got to do i have to rethink the way i have my office and recording studio set up because i've got a 60 inch tv in up in the room up here with me unfortunately it's at my back so for me to see it, I have to turn away from the mic to see what's going on, or I've got to get a mirror and put it in front of me and watch that over my shoulder. So I may have to rethink things here a little bit. That is uh, what a mirror is for. If you've got to have a mirror in your office, it's so that you can see the TV behind you. There you go. So tell you what, it's our first week of Sunday games or in the book. Um, some, of it, some of it was pretty exciting. Some of it was kind of like, eh, there's no big... I think add out there um, from a waiver wire standpoint, no Frisman Jacksons. We'll talk about that in a little bit though. And, and I say that before we do anything else, I think the first thing we should do is what we always do. And we'll throw it over to Harley for this week's blitz podcast news. Thank you, Steve BPN DFS favorite Keenan Allen sustained an apparent ACL injury Sunday during his game against the Chiefs. It was a hard blow for Allen's owners to swallow, as he was absolutely dominating the game prior to the injury. This injury does go to prove one thing, that only a potentially season-ending injury will slow down a talented receiver against the poorly retooled Chiefs secondary. (laughs) The Saints once again topped 500 yards from scrimmage, and also once again lost marking the sixth time in Drew Brees' tenure that this has happened to New Orleans. For rankings purposes, we can clearly say that Drew Brees and company will remain among the top-scoring offenses all season long. We can also clearly say that they will never rank number one overall, as this honor is bestowed upon whomever is facing them. (laughs) T.J. Yeldon was the surprise starter for the Jaguars against the Pack on Sunday. He got the nod as Chris Ivory was taken to the hospital with a mysterious ailment that is still undiagnosed as of this taping. The back that I nicknamed Fitbit last year managed a lowly 1.9 yards per carry on the game. However, when you include the 60-plus horizontal yards he carried the ball behind the line of scrimmage, Yeldon had a much more respectable line. Robert Griffin III sustained a fracture to his non-throwing shoulder, forcing the Browns to place him on the IR. 
Josh McCown is the obvious immediate benefactor of this injury, and his presence should buoy the value of tight end Gary Barnage as well. Of course, McCown has had trouble staying healthy as well, which means that the Browns may be forced to trot out third-round rookie Cody Kessler at some point this season. There has been no reported communication between the Browns and former quarterback Johnny Manziel, but even if they did choose to bring him back, he would still only be the fourth-best quarterback on their roster, behind McCown, Kessler, and even wide receiver Terrell Pryor. <laughs> Sammy Watkins is dealing with a foot injury similar to the one that put Des Bryant out for most of the early portion of last season. Watkins' stat line suffered because of this injury. Unfortunately for Dez, his stat line also suffered this past week, but we can neither confirm nor deny what shape Dez's foot was in. What we can say with 100% certainty is that Bryant still does not understand the definition of a catch. <laughs> that said, at least he knows to go out of bounds when the freaking clock is running out. This has been your BPN News Update. <laughs> nice. Although I'm sure that most Cowboy fans won't think that. Hey, i got a question for you before we get into our next segment. If you're a Browns fan, and this is going to get me in trouble because everybody that follows me close enough knows my wife is, but if you're a Browns fan and you hear that RG3 is going on injured reserve, are you more upset that he's going on injured reserve or that he's going on injured reserve um, to return, that there's a chance he actually might come back? I think from a standpoint of consistency, it, it probably disturbs them a little bit more because RG3 has been injured multiple times in his career. So the fact that they're looking at him coming back, I, I think that obviously McCown is going to get the chance to be the starter. And when McCown has been the quarterback there, he's actually done fairly well. So eight weeks from now, if RG3 is healthy enough to play, do we really want a quarterback controversy in Cleveland? <laughs> No, uh, and no, but it was supposed to be a joke, but you had something serious to add to it. That's okay. Maybe but, we can bring in LeBron James. He can be the quarterback for yeah, Cleveland. You know what? He'd probably do better than JFF. Um, couldn't do any worse. Anyway, let's talk, let's talk injuries. Let's get into the next segment. I mean, injuries, they weren't huge this weekend. I mean, I've seen worse in week one, but there were some that definitely impacted um, some fantasy rosters at the top end. Namely... Keenan Allen. Well, you, you talk about impacting rosters at the top end. Now, a lot of people who uh, did the whole zero running back thing, myself included, uh, in one of my year-long leagues, so not a dynasty or a keeper or an empire league, one of my year-long leagues, my top three wide receivers who I got in rounds two, three, and four, Keenan Allen, Sammy Watkins, Demarius Thomas. All three of them sustained potentially season-harming, if not season-ending injuries this weekend. Yuck. Yeah, that's not a fun seat to be in, man. But I thought that running backs were supposed to be the ones that got injured more often. Well, that's what everyone was saying. Uh, uh, fortunately, uh, I, I don't have a ton of shares of those guys. I, I love Keenan Allen to death. And uh, from a daily standpoint, yeah. he, he was a daily godsend last year with the number of targets he got, as well as the fact that he was such a huge portion of that San Diego offense. Now, I, I think when it comes to players that are just going to be the biggest hits to a team, now Watkins, it sounds like he's going to play through his injuries. Uh, I don't know what it's going to be. They, they're saying his foot hurts more than plantar fasciitis. 
Now, I've never had plantar fasciitis, but I remember a couple of years ago, uh, one of the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves players, uh, Michael, Tom, uh, Michael, Tom, Michael Williams, had plantar fasciitis, and he actually missed nearly two years of basketball because of the pain from that. So if this hurts more than that, I, I can only imagine the pain Watkins is going to be in on the field where he tries to play through it. Uh, Thomas, in a similar boat, uh, Demarius Thomas, uh, who sustained a hip injury in his game on Thursday against the Panthers, he actually played through the injury, and uh, it, it seemed like he was going to be fine, but uh, now an MRI has come out, and apparently there's going to be a second MRI and more follow-up. He thinks he's going to be able to practice this week, and he thinks he's going to be ready to go. But, again, there's question marks there, and definitely uh, if you've got one of those three, or in my case, all three of those three, you could be in for a long season. Well, of those three, first I want to say Sammy plays this Thursday. He says he'll play. I don't buy it. Even if he's active, I think you should look for a better option. We already know that Thursday night games are generally low-scoring games. The Bills just played one of the worst games of the season in week one. Um, God, it, it was horrible. I didn't even get to see the game, and I could tell how bad it was. Um, but anyway, I would steer clear of Sammy Watkins. I wouldn't look for a replacement or anything like that. I'd go somewhere else. I'm not looking for a replacement on the team. As far as Demarius goes, it could mean that, what's his name? The guy that everybody's... Cody Latimer. Is yeah, Cody Latimer. Next I mean, man up, so to speak. And it could mean something for him. But, I, I mean, it looks like, it's honestly, it should be the C.J. Anderson show. I don't see a plus for a wide receiver if Thomas can't go. I see a plus for C.J. Anderson. Where I think we've got some value to be had is with the loss of Keenan. Um, who are most people, or who are you going to be on? I know who I'm going to be on, but I, I'm, or I would recommend being on. But where, where are you throwing your money? Well, there's actually three players that are going to see an increase in value with the uh, loss of Keenan Allen. Obviously, the number two receiver, Travis Benjamin, he proved last year that he could be a number one receiver in a Cleveland offense that was not good at all. So I, obviously his value goes up. Okay. Uh, Dontrell Inman uh, stepped into the role of number one receiver there last season when every single member of the Chargers offense was hurt. So he gets a boost in value. But the one player I really think uh, is going to be the most affected is Tyrell Williams, who immediately stepped into the role on the field, the, the, the Keenan Allen role on the field. He caught a couple passes for 70 yards on Sunday, and I think he's going to be a big factor going forward. That's who I think everybody's going to be going after. I don't know that that's the right move. Um, first of all, I don't think you're going to, This is a knock on the entire offense. It hurts Rivers. I don't know that it's, okay, you just plug somebody in and you're going to get what you're supposed to get or what you think you would have got with, with Keenan Allen. So I do think that it's something that hurts the entire offense. But the guy that I think is the play is Inman. He played more snaps than anybody outside of... Um, Mr. Cleveland Brown, wide receiver. See, that his name fell right out of my head that fast. Travis Benjamin. Travis Benjamin. Um, so Inman's the sneakier play, I think, because he's the one that's probably going to get overlooked unless you're in a deeper league. But that's who I think you should be targeting. Um, I think he's got a little more upside than um, Terrell does. So that's my contrarian. Well, and view. I think we're overlooking the obvious benefactor, which should be Antonio Gates. I've got to assume that he's going to become more involved in the passing game than he was in week one. He could. You know who else could possibly see a, ni a nice little uptick? Danny Woodhead? Uh, well, yeah, that goes without saying. Um, but if you're looking for waiver wire help, um, a rookie tight end, possibly. 
Hunter Henry. He actually looked pretty good. He ran a couple nice routes on Sunday as well, yes. So that's that's where we, we are with that. Um, on the injury front, other than that, running back, nothing of note, right? I mean, the biggest thing is Jamal Charles being inactive, but we knew that before we went into week one. Well, I think Chris Ivory's mysterious ailment, uh, it sounds like something internal. They're saying it was a an illness, but... Uh, here it is three days later, and, and they still don't know what it is. So a lot of question marks about whether or not he'll be able to play next week, or I mean, if it's something major, I mean, maybe he's going to have like some sort of like stomach surgery, or who knows what. Yeah, um, definitely one to monitor. That's for sure. But not a guy that anybody was really relying on for running back one or two type numbers. Um, tight ends just overall performed pretty poorly. Um, Dwayne Allen, I guess, had a little bit of an injury issue. Should be fine from everything that I've seen so far. One major tight end injury of concern to me is one of my favorites coming into this year, and that's Zach Ertz. Uh, Ertz uh, apparently sustained an injury in the game. He played through it. His numbers wouldn't suggest that he was hurt at all, but uh, it sounds like he's he's doubtful for this week's coming up game. So uh, if he goes out of the game, all of a sudden... Uh, it's going to fall on Carson Wentz to work with just Jordan Matthews and and maybe Brent Selleck gets a slight tick up there. Yeah, it, it's a displaced rib or something like that. It doesn't sound fun, uh, like anything fun. I did I did just double check something too while you were chatting up um, our listeners and that Dontrell Inman actually led the Chargers in snaps last week of all wide receivers for their team. In all likelihood, he probably led the Chargers in snaps last season, too, because of all the injuries they had there. Allen, Stevie Johnson. uh, It it seemed like they were on their fifth or sixth receiver at one point or another last season. Okay. Um, So there's some value there, but I don't think it's going to be anything that you can rely on. It's going to be hit or miss. Um, Quarterback. Uh, One major injury at quarterback this year. year. Uh, Two major injuries, actually. Uh, First off, RG3 out for the foreseeable future, fractured, non-throwing shoulder. Uh, We kind of covered him in the news a little bit. RG3, uh, not a great quarterback. You probably weren't counting on him for big big play capabilities this year, but that does tone down their offense a little bit. Or unless you're a Cleveland Brown fan, maybe it improves the offense a little bit. Certainly improves the value of Gary Barnage. And then, of course, the other one being Russell Wilson with a lower extremity, or I should say foot or ankle injury. Um, We're getting into hockey news here, a lower body injury. Yeah. Uh, In the case of Russell Wilson, uh, you could tell he was playing in pain last week. Uh, From the moment that he got hurt, uh, uh, and again, it was an Indominus Sioux injury, so uh, I I didn't actually see the injury occur, but whether he stepped on his foot or if he fell on his foot, whatever it is, uh, we all know the history of Sioux and, uh, and taking out quarterbacks and stomping on him, so... Uh, I, I would dare to bet that there was at least a little bit of malice involved in that. No, uh, Russell Wilson did no, not look not, the same. I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to say, look, Russell Wilson relies on his feet. That's a big part of his game. Make him one-dimensional. You hurt the Seahawks offense. You hurt his fantasy um, output as well as the Seahawks offensive line not doing him any favors. So here's the diff- what's the difference? What's the big difference between Russell Wilson and RG3? You drafted Russell Wilson early, and him going out or not being 100% makes you cringe because you put a lot of equity in him. Anybody that was in a late-round draft or drafting quarterbacks late 
gets RG three as a flyer and he gets hurt and they go, oh, oh well, I didn't. It was a, it was a lottery ticket. I didn't pay much for it. I'll go back in and I'll find a Ryan Tannehill or Matt Ryan, a Matthew Stafford, etc. Maybe a Jameis Winston. Um, who knows? But Russell Wilson hurts. It stings. Now he's replaceable. But now you're with it without that third, fourth, fifth round, sixth round pick that could have been a running back or wide receiver that could have made your ranks a little bit stronger. Can I get off my soapbox? Well, and I think with Russell Wilson too, we uh, need to uh, we need to look a little bit more at Russell Wilson's start to last year. Uh, the first eight games last year was not good. He averaged one touchdown per game. His rushing yards weren't that big. Now that offensive line there in Seattle is is Swiss cheese. Uh, that's going to be the biggest mark on him all season. And also, uh, he doesn't have like a receiver that is going to threaten people. Doug Baldwin had a great four weeks last season. He's had a good start. He scored a touchdown this week. Tyler Lockett has speed. He can be an effective receiver. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, Wilson won't have time to throw the ball to these guys as long as the defensive ends and defensive linemen are getting in there and and attacking him basically when he snaps the ball. Yeah. So I was on my soapbox. You know, that was me railing against the early round quarterback and showing everybody likes to say, well, look what Andrew Luck did and look what Drew Brees did. You can point to different things like that all the time, but spending that early draft capital on that quarterback when he gets hurt, if he gets hurt, and we've seen it happen, it's just it's a bigger hole. You can fill it easier, but wouldn't you rather have, as I call it, more spaghetti theorem, you know, running backs and wide receivers that you throw against the wall to see who sticks? Exactly. But since we are talking about quarterbacks, I think this is a good segue into uh, talking about players that uh, you, you kind of look at and you think to yourself, well, how did they do this week and how, wait, whether or not we should trust them going forward? So what you're saying is we're going to do a um, don't overreact segment. Well, not just don't overreact, but in some cases, players that we really should react to. Now, it all comes down to which players are basically real and which are facades. And I, I think a good way to start would be with some of these uh, rookies that have uh, put up really big numbers week one. Guys like uh, Chris Coleman and uh, Mr. Will Fuller down in Houston. Uh, these guys had had really good games. Now, can we trust that those are going to be what we're going to see from them going forward? Or is that just a, a victim of circumstance? I think a lot of it has to do with, one, it is only one game out of 16, but it's our first peak at real football. Um, hey, look, Will Fuller was a late, later round draft pick at wide receiver, right? Based on some upside yeah. that he had. And he's going to flash. He doesn't have the best hands in the world. If he did, he'd have had almost 200 yards and a couple touchdowns this weekend. So is he going to be somebody you can consistently start as a wide receiver too? I don't think so. Wide receiver three flex, you're still probably going to want to play matchups. But it was positive to see it. And it's positive to see someone on the other side of Nuke, who's, who I think this benefits the most, that can take some pressure off so that he'll be a bigger part of the offense like he always is. But you don't have to worry about him always possibly double-teaming him because you got a guy that can take the top off. As far as Corey Coleman goes, look, I think the ability's there, the talent's there, all that good stuff. But I didn't think he looked all that good. I know he made a couple grabs, but it just looked like he had a couple of drops, I believe. It was actually I had that game on for quite a bit. And the the throws were behind him, and that's all that all factors into it. I always say that when you want to blame a wide receiver on a drop, 
it's hard to completely do that because if they're expecting the ball in one spot and it winds up another spot just because they got their hands on it, yeah, it's a drop, but that's why your better quarterbacks usually have wide receivers that don't drop, drop the ball so much because they're consistent in getting it to them where they're supposed to. Well, how about looking at quarterback then since we do have a couple of rookie quarterbacks that had pretty decent games last week, Dak Prescott, along with Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. Wentz's game, of course, came against Cleveland. Prescott's came against the Giants. Neither team known for having a great uh, defense to stop them with. But uh, can we count on either of those two going forward if maybe you need a replacement for Russell Wilson or for RG3? Well, first of all, uh, the Giants have a $2 billion defense, don't they? Isn't that what they bought? They they did actually bring in Janoris Jenkins. I think that's a huge thing. We're going to talk about him a little bit in DFS later today, his effect on uh, on opposing offenses. But also uh, Olivier Vernon. They've, uh, they they have some uh, some defense there now, which we don't normally associate with any team in the NFC East. Well, we used to. We used to. Um, so yeah, I mean, Wentz looked what looked good enough, but you have to take it with a grain of salt because it was against the Cleveland Browns. Um, I thought Dak, he looked poised. I don't think he looked like the all-world beater that you saw in the preseason. I think that you saw some limitations with the offense with him running. I mean, everybody's saying Zeke Elliott had a, a very good game or a great game. He had, I mean, he was under three yards per carry. Um, he had some impressive runs. Um, but overall, behind that line, I wasn't as impressed. Um, but no, I don't think you need to settle for either of those guys because I still think quarterback's deep enough with guys like Tannehill that are probably out on the wire, Joe Flacco out on the waiver wire. Um, Jay Cutler didn't have the best of weeks, but he'll have games where he plays, where he's a good matchup play. So um, it was encouraging to see the young guys do as well as they did without folding under pressure. Um, So it's a positive and a step in the right direction of being able to stream them later in the season, but I wouldn't want to do so early. Well, looking at running back, I would say there's four trend mirage players we really need to talk about. First off, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, obviously he had what he called a down game, an under-average game. Uh, C.J. Anderson, by all accounts, had a great game on Thursday night against a very tough Panthers run defense. Uh, Thirdly, Spencer Ware, who I think we finally got clearance that he is going to be the lead back as long as Charles is hurt. And and finally, uh, I would like to add to this list, of course, uh, Devontae Freeman versus Tevin Coleman. What do you think on those four situations at running back? Oh, well, my memory is not long enough to be able to remember all four, so we'll start with one, go backwards, and you can keep reminding me. How's that? Sounds good. Um, the Devontae Freeman thing. I think that we talked about that here and there on previous podcasts this year. I was not all in on Freeman at all, um, and I, I couldn't have said it enough where, hey, look, Freeman lost the job last year due to injury, not performance. So I wasn't going to be shocked if he wound up getting more playing time than what he saw. Uh, I wasn't going to be shocked if he hurt Freeman's value, which we saw. And I think that this is, there's going to be more of the same. Freeman's not going to be that guy that you can just put in your lineup and forget about. He's going to be a running back two to flex type play. Okay, uh, Spencer Ware. Spencer Ware, question for you. When is the last time as a KC fan, you should be able to answer this for me. When's the last time KC did not have a good running back? Wow, that's think, a long time ago. Think about it. I'm being I'm being dead honest here. Let's go backwards. Okay, I'm, Spencer, I'm thinking like the Nigerian nightmare before him. Well, let's let's try and take this back for a minute. Spencer, where I'm not going to say great, but he had a great week one, so that makes that gives you hope for the future. 
Jamal Charles. Jamal yes. Charles has been doing it for quite some time. Before Jamal Charles, who was there? Larry Johnson. Before Larry Johnson, who was there? The Priest. That's at least almost, what, 15 to 20 years worth yep. of play? I mean, who's before Priest? That, that might Okoye. Be, <laughs> Okoye was before Priest? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wow. That, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I read that somewhere on Twitter or heard somebody talking about camera, which it was on the radio, and it made me scratch my head and go, wow. Um, Spencer Ware. No, he's not going to put up numbers like he did just this past week because he's not going to play the San Diego Chargers defense every week. But Andy Reid has a way with running backs. The offense is a plus for running backs as long as Ware continues to be the guy that is going to get all those touches while Jamal Charles is out. He's absolutely going to be a guy you can plug in as a running back one. Um, The question will be how long before we actually see Jamal Charles back on and how will that impact his value. I think even when Charles comes back, You'll see a split enough to keep both healthy because I think Andy Reid would love to see a way to get in and make a run through the playoffs for a Super Bowl ring. And to, for that to happen, he's going to need both those guys. Well, they're definitely going to have to improve their uh, secondary if that's going to be the case. But uh, C.J. Anderson would be the next player. Uh, C.J. Anderson showed that, you know what, last year we really didn't put enough weight into his finish. And a lot more weight went into the beginning part of his year when he struggled. Uh, because if you go back and look at the end of season last year, he was already doing good things. And because he was drafted highly and expectations were really high last year and he didn't meet them, when you look at it overall, um, I think that hurt his value this year. And those that got him where they got him in, what, round three or four, um, they got a gift. He's gonna, and he's going to be a gift that keeps on giving this year. A nice telling storyline from that, too, is Devontae Freeman came into the game. He fumbled on early carry. Uh, not Devontae Freeman, uh, Devontae Booker yes. fumbled on early carry. And lo and behold, we didn't see him again. Wow. Shocking. A running back fumbles and you don't see him again. If you're a running back one owner of any team, when the backup comes in, that's almost like what everybody should wish for, the fumble. Because you know that they're not going to, especially if they're a rookie, they're not seeing the field for quite some time. And with no more Ronnie Hillman, obviously that means that it's C.J. Anderson's to lose. Now, now, finally, of course, is uh, the super-hyped Zeke Elliott and his very subpar Week 1 performance. Uh, just, I can't say it enough. I would, I'll, I'll wind up being wrong on Zeke probably, so I'm not the best one to ask. But that Dallas defense didn't scare anybody yesterday. I mean, I'm surprised that the Giants didn't attack it differently, quite honestly. I think that that's going to be the biggest problem with Zeke this year. They're going to get points scored on them, and that's going to make them have to move away from the run. So I'm lukewarm, but if you, if you invested in him, you got him in the first or early second, you got to prod with him. He's still going to get touches at least. So that's the, that's the key that's positive with him. The touches will be there. Now, obviously, uh, uh, I think we can look at the tight end position as a whole, so to speak, in that Tight end position was really, really down week one. You can stop it. Guys, you can stop it saying the tight end position was whole. Was a hole. A hole as in dig it and bury them all outside of Jack Doyle. I was gonna say, uh, can we count on more of the same from Jack Doyle going forward? No. No. That's about as close as we get to Frisman, Frisman Jackson this week. You know, I actually I kinda like Doyle going forward, and let me tell you why. I think last year what happened to Dwayne Allen was the Colts realized that Dwayne Allen was a better blocker than Kobe Fleener. 
So they forced Allen to stay in more often. And the Colts' offensive line right now is in complete disarray. So I think as long as they're forced to keep Allen in the block, it could mean opportunities at the stripe for for Mr. Uh, Doyle because he's taller than Allen. Uh, he's got longer arms than Allen. Uh, he doesn't have nearly the athleticism of Allen, but uh, it happened last year. Kobe Fleener became a huge touchdown hog in Indianapolis. And we really thought that him leaving town would mean it would be all Dwayne Allen's to eat, but obviously that wasn't the case last week. No, not at all. I can see the contrarian view on Doyle. I'll be shocked if he scores two more touchdowns the entire year. Um, I wouldn't want to say I'd want to take the under on that bet, um, but I've, it'll be a nice bonus for people if they grabbed him and he got a couple more touchdowns while he was on their bench. I think we can guarantee he's going to be one of the players that people spend too much money on this week. That I'll agree with you on, no doubt. Um, so now we're pretty much at a point where we should be wrapping the show up. So you know what that means? We're going to do much like the Chiefs did yesterday. We're going to go into overtime. I like overtime. Well, you should because this overtime, it's not extra football. It's going to be about DFS. To well, and I like DFS, DFS because DFS means money in my pocket. Well, there you go. So where do you want to start with DFS? I guess we should do our normal pay-to-play, stay away, and let's give them some value stuff too. What do you think? Well, I think we start at the top with the quarterbacks. Uh, I think that what we need to make sure that people are understanding is that every now and then when Harley pauses, it's because he's watching a football game and he's watching Mr. Um, Kirk Cousins lead a touchdown drive. And I guess he probably has some investment in, in that end at some point. Well, I did actually play a lot of Kirk Cousins this week from DFS, and uh, I'm really hoping he does well. Obviously, Ben Roethlisberger's having a huge game tonight. But at quarterback next week, I am going to be looking mainly at Eli Manning as one of my favorite pays to play. And the guy I'm sticking away from is actually Drew Brees following his uh, huge performance this week. Now, I think a lot of that is going to be tempered by the fact that the New York Giants have a very, very good secondary, as we were just talking about, bought and paid for, uh, as well as a decent pass rush, too. And, uh, you know, you can't expect Brees to throw for 400 every week. He's not at home this week, so... I think he loses that advantage. Well, I'm with you on Eli. I love Eli this week, especially against, I think the Saints are going to be starting two rookie cornerbacks. Um, I think we see them air it out a little bit more. So as far as who I'm staying away from, I have two guys, Big Ben, Russell Wilson, Big Ben, Russell Wilson. I'll say steer clear of Russell Wilson with that bum ankle. Um, I think it's just too much risk from, from that standpoint. And do you have a guy that you like as a value? This week I'm actually going to go with Brock Osweiler. He's at 6,100 on DraftKings, 7,200 on FanDuel. Unfortunately, both sites really kind of jacked all the prices up already, so we don't have that nice three- or four-week window to ramp up prices. So 6,100 is kind of a bargain this week. He's actually the 20th highest-paid quarterback. So uh, you're going to be spending at quarterback this week. You might as well spend as low as possible. He's facing Kansas City. And aside from Marcus Peters, who got burned a couple times this week, that secondary looks horrid. Uh, they're going to have to make some changes, get themselves up to speed. Losing Sean Smith last year was a huge loss. Well, if you say you might as well spend as little as you can, then that'll make sense why Josh McCown is my value play this week. Um, I think there's no doubt that they'll be playing from behind. I think that McCown will have plenty of garbage time stats this week and in many of the upcoming weeks. So that's my value play. At running back, who are you going to pay to play? 
at running back this week, I'm going to pay up for Ezekiel Elliott. He was truly disappointed by his performance this week. I think he's going to go out there and he's going to show exactly what he's worth. I don't buy into Washington's middle defense. I know they improved their secondary, but D'Angelo Williams is having a nice game so far tonight here. And I think Ezekiel Elliott's going to have a great game next week. Okay. You're braver than I am. Um, I like David Johnson. I know that's probably cherry picking and all, but I just think he looks like he's in for a huge monster um, week. I mean, you look at what he did just this week against the Patriots. That's probably one of the better defenses that he's going to face. So this is a week where I wouldn't mind paying all that price for him. Who's your stay away? I, I got to say Todd Gurley. I, I like Gurley. We haven't seen what he's going to do yet tonight. But uh, his price tag is very, very high, and they're going against Seattle. Seattle can stop the run. Uh, I know they gave a couple of big plays to Arian Foster this past week. But aside from those big plays, Foster was pretty much held in check. Uh, I don't like Gurley, and I don't like the L.A. Rams offense at all this week. Okay. Um, I'll tell you who I'm going to say you should steer clear of. That is Devontae Freeman. At least, at least you got to be. I mean, you got to learn from week one. Um, there's no way. It, it's just, it's. I'm not paying that rate for him. I don't think his price has been adjusted enough yet, and it's understandable. But that's who I would stay away from. What do you got for a value play this week, Harley? Well, I think we might both be leaning the same way at value play, and that's that possession receiving running backs that uh, catch passes out of the backfield. The guy I'm going with is Theo Riddick, 4,300 on DraftKings, 5,900 on FanDuel, had nearly. 28 points on DraftKings this past week. He saved a couple of my lineups with all of the catches he made, even scored a touchdown. Abdullah looked pretty good, but uh, it wasn't Abdullah at the stripe either. It was uh, uh, rookie Washington at the stripe there for them. And Riddick was getting just as many touches out of the backfield as he was catches. So I like him at that price tag, at least a lot more than I like Abdullah, whose price tag is nearly 2000 more. Well, I can't say I don't like Theoretic, but my back is similar to Theoretic. Um, I'm going to recommend as a value play Duke Bernard. No, wait a minute. I mean, Geo <laughs> Johnson. No, wait a minute. Duke Johnson. That's it. And I'll tell you what. I'm going to give this stat out, and I'm going to say this is a hat tip to Evan Silva. I saw him tweet it out. Just think about this. Remember, Josh McCown's my value play at quarterback, and he's the quarterback now. Last year in seven full games, Duke averaged 5.4 catches in games that McCown played, just 2.5 per game otherwise. So there you have it. That's my value play at running back. Well, I think we're going to jump over wide receiver for a second and talk about tight end because I kind of have a feeling I know where you're going with your value pick at tight end. Uh, As for a pay-to-play at tight end this week, you know, I'm going to go with Jason Witten. Uh, Dak Prescott looked his way 13 times this past week. And I think that's one of the things you always look at with a rookie quarterback. They look the way of whomever their tight end is. It's kind of a safety valve. And Jason Witten's very proven veteran tight end, 4,300 on DraftKings, 5,900 on FanDuel. And they're going up against the Washington team again. I, their secondary is better, but Prescott's got to throw it somewhere. I think Bryant's going to be shut down by Josh Norman. I think Witten's going to be a big active player this week. He's got to throw it somewhere, and it's not at Dez, that's for sure. Um, my pay-to-play is Greg Olson. Uh, I mean, Carolina's at home. They need a win. They're playing San Francisco. I, I just see them leaning heavily on Mr. Olsen this week. So he's a guy that I, I would definitely pay pay up for. I'll tell you who I'm fading or staying away from. 
I can't go with Rob Gronkowski until you see him on the field. I'm sorry. I just, I don't like, we know this. In years past, I tell you all the time, I say it on the radio show when I'm with, with Steve Dumick. I don't like players coming back from injury without seeing them on the field because I need to know that they're actually 100% Sammy Watkins. Um, okay. What about you? Well, a player I'm going to stay away from, uh, I kind of wish I would have stayed away from last week, is Kobe Fleener. He showed absolutely nothing in the uh, game. 500 yards of offense, and he has one catch. That is just sick. He was brought into New Orleans, given a huge contract to be the pass-catching tight end, to be the Jimmy Graham replacement, to be the Ben Watson replacement. He can't get on the same page with Breeze, and this is going to be a much tougher game for them going up against the Giants' secondary. I I want nothing to do with Fleener. I wonder, and I haven't had a chance to look, but I wonder if in Jimmy Graham's entire tenure he had a game that bad with Drew Brees. Only if he was hurt and played with an injury. Yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty discouraging. So for me... Who are you going to save money on? I'm going to save money on Gary Barnage. Um, I'm going to have. I tip. thought you might go that way. I'm going to, and you know what? This wasn't done on purpose. We were sitting here before we, we record and we're picking. And I went, Oh, look at the trend I've got going. Um, I'll give this hat tip to Evan Silva again. Barnage was on a 16 game pace with McCown in the games he started last year of 92, 1282 with 12 touchdowns. Let that sink in. 92, 12-82, and 12 with McCown under center. And I bet you that there are people that possibly even in lesser leagues, and that's maybe not a good way to put it, drop Barnage based on his week one performance. Well, that's, that's incredible numbers considering that going into that season, over a, a five or six year career, he had like 16 total catches. So, so yeah, I mean... I think he's a value. Like, what can I say? Want to jump back to wide receiver? Uh, my value really quickly at tight end is Kyle Rudolph. Uh, it appeared very often that when Sean Hill was at quarterback this week that he was also targeting the tight end. Uh, I think there's some injury uh, question marks. Uh, not really injury question marks, I guess, but just how active they are in the playbook. Jarius Wright uh, did not play hardly at all in the game. Uh, Cordero Patterson played, but he only got one target throughout the game. And Laquan Treadwell was active, but didn't even see the field. So I think that the offense this year, at least with uh, Mr. Hill at the helm, will go through Rudolph. And I think it's a good thing even if Bradford starts, because think back to last season at the end of the year, who did Bradford target excessively? Zach Ertz. Now, if you extrapolate Zach Ertz's numbers over those final four weeks, they were huge. Kyle Rudolph's kind of built like Zach Ertz. He can be that same type of receiving tight end threat. So I, I like uh, Mr. Rudolph, particularly at 3,100 on DraftKings. Okay. I'll let you lead the way with who you're going to pay to play at wide receiver. Wide receiver is uh, such a juicy position. Unfortunately, all the price tags have been jacked up. So I'm going to uh, go ahead with Odell Beckham Jr. Going up against the Saints defense, uh, they just lost. Stop, their- stop using defense when you talk about the other unit on the Saints, not meaning their offense or special teams. It's not fair to that word. It really is. And they lost their only legitimate cornerback to a leg fracture. The rest of their secondary uh, is zip and pip. And Odell Beckham will just be looking to improve upon his, by his standards, week line, week one. 
9,500, He's one of the top three priced players on both sites, but he's so worth it in this game where he could easily top 150 yards uh, by the half. Yeah, I, I think that's a great stack this week is Eli and, and OBJ. I like to call him ODB, but people get on me for that. Um, so I'm with you on that. I'll tell you a guy that I'm staying away from. Uh, Mr. I think three target, Des Bryant. Mr. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm nobody. Not many targets. It sure didn't look like it. Yeah, it's Mr. I'm nobody if Tony Romo's not under center. And last I checked, Tony's not going to be under center this week. So I think that Des is a good fade. Well, my, my fate is actually going to be a guy who had a huge game this past week, and that was Brandon Cooks. A lot of people are going to look at it and say, well, he got a 98-yard touchdown pass. He ended up with 150 yards receiving. He also only ended up with six receptions, which would have tied him for third on his own team for receptions in that game. Lots of weapons to choose from there. Willie Sneed, uh, rookie Michael Thomas, uh, as well as pass-catching options out of the backfield, uh, both Mark Ingram and Traveris Cadet. So I don't think Cooks is going to approach those numbers again. And if you take out that 98-yard touchdown pass, he had five catches for 48 yards. That's kind of boring. As a Cooks owner, I will be honest with you, I'm not taking the 98-yard touchdown away. Well, I'm sure you aren't, but this week, uh, Janoris Jenkins might. That is very true. So who's your value play? Uh, Value play at receiver this week. Again, not a lot of value to choose from just because everyone's price tag is kind of jacked up right now. I'm going to slide down and take the San Diego replacement for uh, Mr. Uh, Keenan Allen, and that's uh, Tyrell Williams. He stepped right into the role last week, caught a couple of long passes. Uh, Travis Benjamin will spread the field. Uh, they'll also use Dontrell Inman, but I think that Tyrell is going to be the touchdown this week. Okay. Um, and my value play is not Terrell Pryor, although I was very close to saying that Terrell Pryor was my um, value play. Had I know that there's more... Um, Oh, what's the word I want? Rep, you know, whatever. The guys working together. You know what I mean. They know what I mean. Everybody knows what I mean. But it's not there. It's not like it's not there like with Duke and with Barnage. So um, I'm going to go with Mr. 7-Eleven. He's always open. Chris Hogan. I love that play. He looked really, really good uh, last night. Uh, he uh, definitely was targeted frequently by uh, Mr. Garoppolo. And uh, he actually got open quite a bit, too. Even if it was blown coverages, it doesn't matter. But he's a good value, and there aren't many values to be had, so I think it's worth um, trying to get some you know, bigger values in your – bigger prices into your lineup by going with a guy like Hogan if you want to find a wide receiver value play. Plus he's facing Miami, and their secondary is a complete mess. It is, and they've got a rookie cornerback starting also. So you know that Bill will find a way to make some mismatches. So with that, I guess we're going to say that's a wrap on our week one. Um, as we are finishing up, I believe that Pittsburgh is trying to hold off the Washington Redskins up by eight, I believe. So I guess what I'll say is, hey, make sure you follow Harley on Twitter at Nuclear Harley. Follow myself at Steve Gallo NFL. And of course, on iTunes, be sure to check us out, subscribe, rate us, review us, all that wonderful stuff. And until next week. Get blitzed responsibly. Cheers.